0: Dark Academicals, the podcast where we delve into the mythos of dark academia one book at a time.
1: I'm Sarah Purnell and I'm Sophie Waters and today we're looking at Meg Willits' debut novel Sleepwalking. So before we start, trigger warnings for suicide, talk of suicide. Um, It's not on page but it is permeating the entire novel and death of a sibling. Sylvia Plath, Anne Sexton, and Lucy Asher, three young troubled poets who ended their lives in tragic circumstances, are idolized by Claire, Naomi, and Lauren, the death girls of Swarthmore College. The girls dress in black, read and reread their poets, meet for all night readings and musings, and are obsessed with the lives and deaths of Plath, Sexton, and Asher. When Claire falls into a relationship with an upperclassman named Julian, her grasp on herself and on Lucy change and mutate until she undertakes drastic measures to find out what it all really means. Hmm. <laughs> What's that? Hmm. <laughs> Such an odd book. It is, and I don't think that the summary fully describes what the book is actually about no um, that's actually one of the, the criticisms I kind of want to talk about a bit later
0: okay
1: was um kind of you know what your soul is not quite what you get mm-hmm. but I really really loved it I read it all in one go and I just got totally swept up in it even though it wasn't quite what I was expecting yeah and Meg Wall's writing is just phenomenal i mean
0: right off the bat, I was like the the writing is just stunning, yep,
1: yeah. and a debut novel as well i know at twenty three sickening honestly
0: it's, it's it really is a thing it's'cause <laughs> <laughs> I think
1: what a heck of a book it really is, and I think the only thing that we've read by Meg Wallitzer before is Belzar, which we've both mm. read, isn't it? Yeah. Um so I, I kind of knew to expect some kind of aspect of psychological something yeah. with an academic setting and that stunning writing. Um but that was pretty much all I went into the book with because it's it's not a book where you really see anywhere. No. It's a bit of an under the radar one i mean we had to import it from the us and it's not even available on kindle so (laughs) it's definitely an interesting book to look at i think yeah so as ever we are going to look at what makes sleepwalking a dark academia title if it is in fact a dark academia title Mm. so first up on the list is a higher education setting often on campus and usually elite or exclusive in some way. Mm-hmm. Yes, but no.
0: It starts off that way. It starts off strong as a dark academia title yeah. for me, like in general. Same here, yeah. Because, um, although, I mean, there's not a strong sense of place with Swarthmore as a mm. as an academic setting, but you you feel it because the characters are so engrossed in their
1: particular subject yeah there's lots of time spent in dorm rooms in libraries they kind of have you know like all night poetry reading parties in their in their dorms and it's it is that very kind of enclosed academic setting at first isn't it yeah but for probably what two thirds of the novel we actually head from Pennsylvania to um Long Island. Long is Island, you? yeah. Yeah. To the beach. Um in a in a kind of well loved house on the beach. Um and the the vibe of the setting changes completely. And I think that is the stronger setting, isn't it? Yeah. Um there is a there is a contrast between the two, but I think it does take away that element of dark academia by moving moving the setting it's a lot more fresh isn't it yeah
0: i mean i think potentially you could get away with it if she was still kind of studying in like the same Mm -hmm. sense that in the secret history we have the group move to like the uh, is it charles's house summer house yeah the summer house um but it's still they're still kind of obsessing over like the greek stuff and Whereas here, even yeah. though she's still obviously preoccupied with her subject, it's kind of moved more into kind of this psychological exploration of the self,
1: rather yeah. than the subjects. Yeah, it's very internal, isn't it? Yeah, because I mean, like Swarthmore is like a really is a private liberal arts college, all kind of mid eighteen hundreds. It's got all of the the bare bones of what it should be, and then we kind of get ripped away from it. Yeah. Um. So I was actually a little bit disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) But never mind. And I guess that carries on into old Gothic architecture because we don't really get any physical descriptions of the college, do we? No, no, not really. But I kind of...
0: Yeah, I just kind of end up filling it in, don't you? You kind of of get like this sense of it without it Mm. ever being explicitly told to you what it is yeah and you kind of just fill it in with your mind from like your previous knowledge of similar settings yeah
1: yeah i kind of just filled it in with like the old traditional fancy new england colleges yeah uh, with the kind of very clicky kind of um student base and the kind of fancy drawing rooms of paintings and yeah that's kind of how i filled it in but we don't really know. <laughs> and then the beach house is a traditional beach house, isn't it? Very kind yeah. of warm and worn and well loved. It's like there's there's life in there but also like sadness and yeah. grief in in this house. Um which again have those like elements of dark academia in the atmospheres of the house. But I just don't think it's the right location. No. It obviously works in the story, but for our purposes doesn't quite tick the boxes no. for me.
0: So a preoccupation with classical studies, and usually this is Latin, Greek, literature or philosophy. Um, not necessarily classical studies, because the poets that they're kind of, they're not even necessarily studying them. They're just obsessed, uh, <laughs> obsessed with them. They're not, yeah.
1: they're, they're all quite recent. In terms of literature, I actually looked up kind of obviously. So Lucy Asher is Woolitzer's kind of imagined poet, and she is the main poet that is focused on by Claire. But Anne Sexton and Sylvia Plath are both confessional poets. Mm. And I think that is a very different type of academic study, isn't it? Yeah. So, as opposed to if you were studying Keats or Blake, they would be the classical. Yeah, kind of poet study which I think would fit in more clearly but you know I mean Plath lived in the 50s, 40s 60s like Mm. that area area? That's not a word (laughs) (laughs) she kind of lived and worked in that era. I'm not quite sure about Anne Sexton actually
0: No I'm not 100
1: I, I don't think I've ever read her
0: I think what I thought was interesting and I think we'll probably touch more on like the kind of like female perspective and feminism later a bit more in depth Mm -hmm. but the classical studies as a whole are a very male space yeah and i think to pick these particular poets was a very um clever choice because it's a very female space it's a very like the female experience um Mm -hmm. women's pain
1: yeah Before, kind of,
0: yeah, just before it. Before it, just was it was invisible, like it didn't Mm, have a voice, and it's only in like recent decades that it's actually been given a chance to say its bit. Yeah, I
1: agree. I think that kind of female focus as well plays into um, how they are, how the three girls are seen on campus. So they're called the Death Girls. Because these three poets, they all were very troubled and they all committed suicide. And the girls dress in black and they kind of unintentionally at first imitate their poets. And I think that's that way that they're criticised, they're ostracised, aren't they, by their classmates, by the teachers, by their parents. And I do think that is a commentary on, like, the feminist aspect, isn't it? The kind of um sidelining a female experience so it's a very clever way to turn that academic study into a female focus which i did really appreciate that so next up is murder and there is no murder no but there is death not yeah there is a lot of death not not on page um But there are, you know, talk of the suicides of the poet and um, the death of a sibling. And that's kind of present throughout, isn't it? And the the grief as well. The grief is almost a character. Yeah. In the novel itself. I thought it was interesting, actually, the way she, way Willetser took Claire's imitation of Lucy. She didn't actually make... Claire suicidal or anything in, in fact she says several times you know although I follow Lucy's journey like I've never got to that point that's not where I am no she's like I feel lots of the things that she feels and I'm very depressed and life is very empty but I've never considered that I thought that that was a really interesting choice because yeah. I was expecting it to go into that in that direction of her following mm. in Lucy and Plath and Sexton's footsteps
0: yeah so there's not obviously the the expected aspect of some form of murder Mm. but uh yeah there's definitely a lot of death and I suppose depending on how you view it you could argue that the women that took their lives in this book even though it's not on page like they were failed in some way I'm not saying they obviously weren't murdered but they were failed in some way that led them to that
1: yeah, and even the even the girls themselves, to an extent, really. Um, Claire especially, because we don't really know much about Lauren and Naomi, even though they're supposed to be also a focus of the novel. But yeah, like, more on that in a minute. Because <laughs> um, she is continually failed by her parents, isn't she? Yeah. Um, she's pushed aside and ignored and told to kind of back up and stop being obsessed instead of actually getting to the root of, What's going on? And I think Mm. if Claire's kind of mental state was different, that could have led her to the same position as um, the three poets. Yeah. And I think that's kind of drawing in the community that Claire has, even though it's very small. She has her two friends. She has um, Lucy's parents. She has Julian. She has Julian. And they're all kind of keeping her on the on the other side of the line, aren't they, really? Yeah. And it, it kind of suggests... I don't know a huge amount about Anne Sexton. Um, I know a little about Plath, but they didn't kind of have the same support system. No. So, yeah, that basically does lead into the fact that there is, in fact, a dark, moody and or haunting vibe definitely this book is haunted it is haunted it feels haunted and i think
0: she even um she even when she's at lucy asher's house in her bedroom Mm -hmm. i think there is a moment isn't it where she kind of acknowledges that perhaps the the ghost of lucy or like the feeling of her is kind of gone because she's more superior to it now and i i I, I kind of got that it was just her obviously moving through her Mm kind of like mental
1: awareness of where yeah. she was and who she is, but. It was very clever. Yeah. Because when she first moves into the house, she's she's like, Lucy, Lucy. Because she hears or fears some, feels something, and then when she yeah. moves into Lucy's bedroom, she eclipses it. It's creepy, but she wasn't creeped out because she was so involved. Yeah. So kind of entangled. With the idea of Lucy, especially at this point that she's you know living in her house, that it, it was haunting as a reader, but not for the character, and yeah. that is skill. I, I want to read everything of Meg now <laughs> because her writing is just so clever. Yeah,
0: hero worship of a particular figure or author. I reckon we can say yes on that I, one quite comfortably. Big tick on that
1: one. (laughs) Um, We have already talked about that, like, kind of hero worship of those three poets. But I also think there is a clear worship of Claire on Julian's part. And then also of her friend,
0: is it Naomi, who goes to Julian and is like, "Why, why are we attracted to people like Claire do you know what, like when she says yeah. can you please help
1: like why are we drawn to people like Claire I can't remember which which of the girls it is but me neither because <laughs> we don't we don't get to know them at all they're not really no. distinct characters in a way are they not really um, but yeah, there's there definitely, is...
0: and then all, and then I suppose as well uh Lucy's parents kind of come to not necessarily hero worship on the same level but they definitely mm. hold her in quite a high position for what she's done
1: for them. Yeah, she's kind of filled the gap of Lucy, hasn't she? Yeah. Yeah, she kind of steps into that role, fills that gap of Lucy, and almost gives them a second burst of life. Yeah. And they're very, very grateful, and they kind of accept her into that role without really questioning it questioning it I also think it's really interesting that we start the book with Julian I thought that too because I was really surprised I I didn't expect (laughs) that kind of that kind of start and in fact he talks about being drawn to her
0: yeah I think it definitely at first I was a little bit um definitely like taken aback by that Mm, yeah but then it does put Claire in that focus of like being someone who is idolized as much as she idolizes someone else it gives you that lens from the beginning
1: and also that like that distance yeah which we see a lot in the secret history yeah it's like they exist above you kind of thing you can't quite reach Mm. reach the pillar of their whether it's academic level their psychotic level in terms of henry or you know <laughs> whatever way you want to look at it um and i think he's julian is fascinated by claire he's interesting in the interested in this whole like cult of the death girls that they've got going on he's not he doesn't know about her because she doesn't give anything at first but yeah. he wants to be a part of this he wants to get to know this kind of weird this weird group of girls which is an interesting kind of introduction to the main characters. Yeah. Because I think he even says at some point, like, no one knows them, doesn't he? Like, you can't get to know them because they they don't let you. He had heard she was unapproachable. Talking to her is like talking to the Ice Queen. Some real persistence. (laughs) Speaking of Ice Queens, we have weather as a literary device kind of yeah it does pop up a couple of times like the
0: weather weather kind of plays a part but Mm. it's not in the kind of same sense in like again in like the secret history the way the snow
1: has a big impact on everything everything (laughs) yeah whereas it's, it's it's a background element isn't it it's a cold winter and there's the you know the change of the feel of the winter when she arrives in Long Island at the beach and, you know, turning up, kind of covered in snow. And there's even one of the girls, she just completely shuts down, doesn't she, and just sits in the snowbank mm. for ages. So it, it is there. It's not It's not a character in its own right. No. It doesn't do anything to progress the plot or inhibit it or change the characters it's just kind of there it's often
0: very it's often very fitting so like Mm. you know it, it will fit the kind of
1: mood that's already established yeah but it doesn't help to create that mood no which is what we usually look for in dark academia next we have old money which will collide with new money or no money I think this is mostly absent really isn't it
0: mm. i think the only time you ever hear much mention of money i think is claire's mum when she says you know what are you going to do with this expensive education yeah but it's not like oh we can't afford it or you know it's a waste of money or yeah you, know, the, you don't get the sense that money is an issue for any of the characters
1: no i think like I mean, they're a private liberal arts college in America. Like, they're all fairly well off, yeah, um, and that's not really an issue, and it's not discussed because they're all pretty much in the same position, aren't they? Yeah. Um. So yeah, because I think like discussions of that would have played quite well into like uh, the feminism aspects if mm. that had been pursued. But it was just kind of not... It was just a non-issue.
0: Yeah, so finally we have uh, underdeveloped social skills or the protagonist is portrayed as an outsider. They are 100% outsiders. All of them. All of them. All of them don't have great... uh, Has any of them got any great social skills? Not not really. Not (laughs) really. Even the
1: adults are highly inept. Yeah, that's true. I mean you know, they're set apart as the deaf girls. They're kind of looked upon by everyone else, Mm. but they're not really kind of involved in anything. Their parents set them apart, their classmates set them apart, their teachers set them apart. I think that's one of the biggest dark academia elements in this novel is the kind of these outsiders forming their own group of outsiders and finding comfort and reassurance in that circle.
0: Yeah, and then being recognised as like, oh, they're the
1: such and such. Yeah. So like,
0: they've been so like revered the... almost. Yeah.
1: It's like cult status, isn't it? Yeah. I was thinking about this the other day. I think a lot of dark academia is very culty. Yeah. In in that way. But even though they are kind of set apart from everyone else, they actually don't really have very much interaction with anyone else in the novel. No. The characters are very limited. It's very, I was going to say internal, but I don't think that's the right word. That's the one. Yeah, because we don't meet any of their teachers, really. We see classmates in passing. We have some flashbacks and memories of other characters. Yeah. But every time that happens, that, confirms them as outsiders doesn't it yeah um so it's a a very small cast of characters because you've got um the three poets but we only really see lucy on the page don't we yeah um her parents we have the three girls we have julian and we have claire's mom so that's what eight characters
0: and then we have seth as well but obviously
1: he's passed away but he oh yeah he does he does it. speak on page doesn't he yeah mm. yeah so very small cast <laughs> <laughs> but i guess that adds to that that cloying feeling yeah doesn't it of um and claire feeling trapped as well mm. so i think we're next going to look at the criticisms and interpretation of isolated elements and my biggest issue with this novel was the element of kind of it being missold sold in the summary, I think for me, it's it's marketed in a very strange
0: way compared to what you get.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I really liked what we got. I loved this oh, book. Yeah, but it's not necessarily what was promised. No, because there's a kind of focus on the Death Girls as um, a group and kind of their kind of academic revering of the poets and while that is there it's only sprinkled in at the beginning we we focus on claire lucy and lucy's parents they're the main characters of the novels Mm. and those relationships between the four of them which isn't what we're told
0: (laughs) yeah it's definitely a book about um the child parent relationship
1: yeah very
0: grief, specifically, but yeah but uh, i I also it also um on the back, it says about how her affair with Julian is like the catalyst for mm. and I don't get that at all because she does nothing but push him away constantly. She doesn't yeah. seem to have like a uh epiphany through having been with Julian, I think obviously he has a part in it, like he yeah has a part in not necessarily softening her because she she doesn't No, she she, that's what i really like about claire's character is she stays unwaveringly kind of yeah
1: stoic and quiet and she has to come to her own realisation. she has she learns her own mind but that's not at the fault of a guy not no it was not the doors of a guy
0: the um I got more of an impression that it was from actually the conversation that she had with her, with the other two. Yeah. But when they were saying like, oh, we've all been through this and we kind of, we did this to kind of get through it. Maybe you need to do the same thing.
1: And she goes, aha. Yeah. I so shall what, do that. What they did is they kind of stepped into the lives of their character in, not their characters, their poets in a way. Um, They saw the real life elements of those poets and that kind of allowed them to kind of fully realize their relationships with them and kind of pulled them back from the brink in a way yeah because i can't remember which girl was obsessed with plath but she went out to plath's family home and kind of stood across the street and watched plath's mother take in the food shopping yeah and the other girl went to visit sexton's grave what year is this supposed to be set in? Because... I looked at this because it was published in 82.
0: Right. So it's that kind of...
1: It's, it's secret. It's probably earlier than the secret history.
0: Yeah. But it's got that similar kind of vibe because it's not really big... It's not obviously big technology and there's not... Yeah.
1: 1982.
0: It's not the digital age yet, obviously. It is not the digital age, <laughs> no. And I think that is a... That helps... With a dark academia classification, because you haven't yes. got that digital influence. Mm-hmm. It's all you can't like just slow. It. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: slow media, isn't it? Slow is, media. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you want to kind of connect with a a dead person, you have to physically go and do something. Yeah. You not just. You can't just listen to a voicemail or you know things like that. I think I was expecting more studying and more academic elements as well because you know it says about how you know they obsessively study and um they're absorbed in the work and they kind of read their their work aloud and analyze it and everything and we get that briefly once but all they really do is claire reads the poem that's her favorite
0: i kind of i thought got the impression that we might even though claire was obviously going to be the Focus. i thought maybe
1: there'd be more of like a round robin yeah type thing i wouldn't have been surprised at all if it had been split POV. yeah something i didn't really expect was the centering of julian and his kind of perception of claire and the girls and like the unfairness brought upon him by yeah. his relationship with claire that he pursued that he maintained she would have been fine to be like yeah i don't care but he was relentless in pursuing her. He kept kind of forcing himself into her life. And then when she disappears off to the ashes, she doesn't tell anyone, she just leaves Um, and refuses to answer his letters. And Claire's friends have, you know, agreed not to give him any details. And he just whinges about it all the time, about how unfair (laughs) and, you know, how much he's been ruined by the Death Girls. Whereas it was all entirely his
0: choice. Yeah. It- but I think I find that on the flip side, though, if if it wasn't for his persistence, where would where would we find Claire in the end?
1: Yeah, I think she probably she would be have left. fine.
0: Yeah, but I think he kind of expedites the whole. Yeah, I mean, she even says like his turning up kind of like, not necessarily ruined
1: it, but kind of burst the bubble mm. before she was necessarily ready. But she was getting there, wasn't she? She yeah. was starting to think about going home and that her job had been done and they were, you know... Yeah. That Lucy's parents were kind of living their life again without her. Yeah. I think it would have it would have happened. He just pressed the go button. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. And I found, like, it hard to kind of pinpoint, like, the passage of time. Like, how, yeah. how long was she there? Like, I don't... I know they mentioned at one point like, "Oh, it's only, it's been two weeks," and I was like, "What?" <laughs> like, it feels like it. Surely it would have been like a month, two months. It's yeah. It's really hard to pin down the passage of time, and I guess that's kind of reflective of that. That brain fog bu- bubble, isn't it? Yeah. Like when you are, you know, in that depressive state, that the passage of time is different, and yeah. everything Pass- everything moves yep. differently
0: time passes really
1: fast but really slow at the same time yeah and And i think that is cleverly reflected in that but it was a little bit baffling to read it (laughs) as as a reader
0: because when Uh. julian does turn up and he's like no i mean yeah we'll talk about julian anyway more in a a bit but Mm. he says well she has to go back to school now it's like well, yeah. surely in my head she'd been
1: there for like three months, and I was like, exactly well, surely like, she'll have done to defer deal. a year, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I think it it I think it may have only been like two to three weeks. Mm. It's a long time for, um, not a long time even, for Lucy's parents to suddenly get over this death that they'd been struggling with for three years. <laughs> yeah, just with the presence of another girl in the house, like. Yeah, it was an interesting choice of time passing, I think. Did you have any other elements that you wanted to discuss? I think mainly it was just the...
0: I just really liked how it kind of highlighted the fact that women's existence is still kind of belittled or brushed aside or... Even when it's plain as day, like this woman is in pain and suffering, it's still misunderstood or misconstrued as something that it's not. Like a woman's not allowed to have like an ennui situation. Do you know what I mean? Like she's not allowed to feel like a existential crisis in the same way
1: that a man can. Yeah. It's melodrama, isn't it? Yeah. um, Oh, hysteria. Yeah. the classic hysteria.
0: It's when um Naomi's talking to Julian and Naomi's like talking about her own kind of relationship with Plath because that's mm-hmm. her poet. Um and she's talking about what Plath did and then eventually how Plath took her life and he and she says, "I can't believe you don't know this already. I thought everybody our age did. Maybe it's a universal female thing." Mm-hmm. And then Julian kind of he's like, "No." He says, "I'm not sure about that." And then um, it says he knew many women who didn't reserve special places in their hearts for a favourite doomed poet. He didn't think it had to do solely with being female. He thought thought it had to do with being alone. Maybe women felt alone more often than men, or maybe women just let it show more often. Like, again, he kind of puts the focus back on himself. Like, well, maybe they're just more open about it, but uh, poor me. I don't know. I just... (laughs) I thought it was clever because at the one hand he's sympathetic and he's sensitive and he's obviously really interested in what Claire or Naomi or whatever have to say. Yeah. But he always manages to kind
1: of not invalidate it, but... It is kind of invalidating I it, suppose. Though. Because Naomi has said this is a female experience and he's saying, oh, no, you got that wrong. I think <laughs> it's more like this. Yeah. Everyone
0: feels like that. It's not just about you. And then makes it about himself. And says, you're
1: wrong. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose so.
0: I suppose we can kind of look at Julian's character a little bit more deeply. I think that he's an interesting character. (laughs) There is more to that. I do think he's an interesting character in the sense that a lot of the time we're kind of forced to see it from his perspective which right. from a book that seems to be centered around a lot of like female experience is really interesting Do you know, does that make sense yeah
1: yeah because yeah, that's one of the first thing that kind of made me shocked by the novel was julian centering yeah and i i didn't expect it i didn't uh, i didn't want it almost yeah, I've, I definitely felt like that too. But it does divert the perspective. And I think it, it, it does help make their make the three girls further away. It does distance you from them and kind of sets them apart as what they're experiencing is exceptional. Whether that is true or not, or whether they are more open about it, As Julian Hmm. thinks, he's saying from a man's perspective, these girls are nuts and they want nothing to do with me. So I want to know. Exactly, exactly. I want in on that
0: it's that thing of like wanting the unattainable isn't it it's like this person is emotionally unavailable and also for the most part physically unavailable because Claire is often described as even when they're in bed together as still tense and like he can feel like the coiling of her muscles as though Mm. you know she just won't relax she's always like restless and he's like you know I want to be the one to fix this or to calm her to still her
1: to unravel Rather than just letting her be, it. yeah, <laughs> or trying to help her meaningfully, yeah, out of a place of love, you know, it's he he went in with this, gonna gonna get in there and uh, see what happens, and then he whinges about being ruined by her, um, yeah. But I think that is a deliberate move on Will's part, yeah, and yeah. her going, you know. This is what guys do to girls who are in a vulnerable position. And then they turn it back on themselves. (laughs) Mm. I think the, as well, where Claire and Julian are on the phone when Claire is at home and he pushes her too far and she shuts him down. She shuts him down and shuts him out. Yeah. And that's it. I think that's a really...
0: Yeah, I loved also that you saw her, like, you still saw her, like, hesitancy with that. She was like, oh, I know if mm. I went if I went back to him and made it all okay. like." But she also knows that she wouldn't be okay with that.
1: Yeah, she doesn't want to, so she doesn't. Yeah. And then he forces him. He forces his presence on her, yeah. doesn't he? Because she has said to Naomi and Lauren, I don't want him to know where I am because he'll turn up. I don't want to reply to his letters because that's engaging him in a way that I don't want to. And then... When one of the girls finally I think it's Lauren, isn't it? It's Naomi that talks to isn't Julia. It Naomi. Mm. They are so interchangeable. They're not they're not fleshed out at all. Um no. the two girls. Um she gets worried about Claire because, you know, she thinks Claire's kinda of going too far and she finally tells Julian where she where Claire is and he turns up and is like, I'm taking you home. It's that kind of, you know, that male interference, that I know better than you, I'm here mm. to rescue you, to take you back to normality so he get he gets what he wants in the end doesn't he, he gets to yeah. save the death girl even though she wasn't in any danger of committing suicide, she wasn't in she was in a weird situation
0: yeah, I I mean it's very nuanced and it's, it's a very cleverly cl- complex kind of perspective for Claire because I think on the one hand it's not that she doesn't it's not that she doesn't want that, she just doesn't need it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I think, you know, she talks about, um, at least said Seth then, crikey. She talks about Julian because <laughs> she sees her brother in him. Like, she wants that kind of, um, kind of male, uh, presence. Pre- yeah, protective presence. So you get that in the way she talks about Lucy's father as well. Yeah. Um, but she doesn't need it.
1: No. And I also think she wants it in a non-threatening way. Like, yeah. She wants it in a brotherly way, in a fatherly way, in that kind of... You've got backup if you need it. You've got someone to kind of distract you from these things. But she doesn't, she doesn't crave romance. She doesn't crave sex. She doesn't crave, you know, a man on her arm walking around campus, you know? <laughs> it's a very platonic... Yeah. Desire it is a little bit unnerving the way she, you know, sees Seth in, in Julian and them. Well, I mean, her and
0: Seth's relationship is a little bit.
1: It's a little bit on the interesting. Edge, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't see much, but what we do is a bit. Eh. Potential for ick. <laughs>
0: Potential for ick, but he's also dying, and you're like. Oh,
1: yeah. Like that must have the- been confusing and scary and. Yeah horrific to watch I think it's interesting the way she she doesn't share that as well she keeps him to her, herself doesn't she Seth yeah and then Julian when she finally tells him he's like well why didn't you tell me as if like he's uh, what's the word entitled to her trauma because you know how can he fix her if he doesn't know everything <laughs> you know that's that's kind of the vibe I got from his reaction to that it's an interesting dynamic <laughs> not always in a good way <laughs> so the big question is it dark academia no I don't think so either it has elements it has hints but no not for it's me. a great moody book it but, is um, it's not it's not dark academia no I, I did really love it um, I really really enjoyed it though. I thought for sure, at first, it was going to be full dark academia. (laughs) But never mind, we'll try again next time. We'll try again next time. So our next episode is going to star Alex Michaelidi's dark academia thriller, The Maidens, which was published last year.
0: You are invited to join The Maidens. The Maidens are Cambridge University's most exclusive society whose members are selected by the charismatic professor of Greek tragedy, Edward Fosker, a secretive set of the brightest, most captivating students. When one of the maidens is murdered, grieving young therapist Mariana Andros is drawn back to the idyllic campus where she was once herself a student. Because beneath the university's ancient traditions and beauty is a web of secrets, jealousy and lies, and when the killer threatens the person she loves most, Mariana will give anything to stop them, even her own
1: life. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually have read this. I read this last year and really, really enjoyed it. So I'm looking forward to giving it a reread, um, using our dark academia parameters and then mm. discussing it with you. I'm curious to see what you think, because it seems to be quite a divisive novel. Really? Yeah. I
0: mean, it's got... It's. I'm getting... Good vibes from the summary.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm not really a thriller reader. It's not really my jam. But I really liked this. Really enjoyed it. So thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed talking about sleepwalking with us. We'd love to hear if you've read the book, what you thought, whether you think it's dark academia. And we'll speak to you next time. Bye. Bye.